I want to invite you next week. We will have a water baptism service. And if that is speaking to you, you need to be baptized. I encourage you to call the office this week so that we can make the proper arrangements. Water baptism is very, very, very important for us. Let me share something personal with you today. Um, just want you to know my schedule. I don't usually do that. Uh, but um, I'll be gone the latter part of the week. My father, Lyman Brooks, my sister's here as well. Our father went home to be with the Lord last evening at 6.30. And uh, he lived a good, long life. He was at least 102. He may have been 103. And uh, he has wanted to go home to be with the Lord for some time now. So, uh, again, thank you for your, your kindness and your thoughts and your prayers as we're working toward that. I woke up this morning, and the first thought that hit my mind was the model prayer, of course, Our Father which art in heaven. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to kind of change that a little bit. All my fathers are now in heaven. My heavenly father's already there, and my uh, earthly father and my father-in-law are all together. So it kind of makes heaven just that much sweeter. And uh, I think that's important in the life of a believer. Uh, I'm at an age now, a lot of people that poured into my life have gone home to be with the Lord in every ward. And so uh, I'm going to make sure I get there as well. And I trust that speaks to you as well. Today, uh, Sister Maria led us in prayer and really kind of the the vibe that I got from her is the same vibe that I got as I was preparing uh, today. I want to talk about love, but manifested love. Because when we talk, use the word love, we use that in so many different expressions. You know, we love our dog, we love our cat, we love our children, we love our spouse, we love hot dogs, we love the braves. We just use that same word for everything. But when we talk about manifested love, then we kind of take it a little more personal because all of us know that we need love and we know that we need to give love. And when it comes to that thing called love, whether it's to our spouse, to our sweetheart, the one we're dating in relationship with, if it's our children, we've all learned the importance of manifested love. In other words, expressing that love. To be able to have a hug, a pat on the back, words that are appropriate to be spoken. We know that it's very important for us to express that love and to receive that love. And so God understands that about us. Today we use the word chemistry. We like to have chemistry. As couples are just getting together and starting to date, you know, somebody asks them, how'd it go? Well, I think we've got good chemistry. And others would say, nah, chemistry's not there. When you're in relationship with somebody for some time, then we realize as well the need to express that love. And when it isn't there, and of course I'm speaking from a pastor's perspective and walking with so many over the years in relational issues, you'll hear someone say, I'm just numb. I'm done. Why? Because there's been neglect. There's not been any expression of that love. So it drew me to the Word of God, and I want to use one particular person's writings. If you'll turn with me to John, Gospel, chapter 14. 
This is a gentleman that I think a lot of us, if we don't already identify with him, especially because if you're younger, I want you to start making that a goal. For those of us that are older, then we have to really look at ourselves, Because here's a guy that we actually get to see a growth in his life through his writings. Five New Testament books were penned by this same author. We have the Gospel of John, and we're getting ready to read from. But we have three letters in the New Testament. Most of us know this, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Some like to call it one-eyed John, two-eyed John, three-eyed John. And then we have the book of Revelation. And in those particular letters, those books as we call them today, we find different expressions of this guy. When we first meet John, he's known as a son of thunder. And I don't know about you, I know there wasn't motorcycles back then, but I just got the picture of this guy with his leather jacket on and his chaps and getting off the back of a camel or something and just... I have a visual mind, sorry. Him and his brother were known as sons of thunder. Is it because they're always talking? I don't know. But before we get to the end of this particular gospel, he's known as the beloved. Something happened to this guy in relationship with Jesus. When we get to the book of Revelation, that letter written, he's known as the servant of the Lord Jesus. There's such an allegiance in that relationship. And by the time we get these last letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, we, we know him as the elder. And as he's writing as the elder, his, his verbiage changes. And he's always writing to children, my dear children. He's always speaking in a, in a sweet way. Again, I... I find myself drawn to his writings more so as I've got older because I can identify dealing with another generation coming up after, another generation after that. Here's the guy that he's the last survivor of that original entourage. He's the only one that got to live with any years to his span, and he's one that watched things change. And now he has the responsibility of being a statesman, of being this elder, and the care that he takes in writing to a younger generation and writing to them in a way that they're endeared to him, it's all because of this thing called love. But we'll find out, if you'll stand with me as we read God's word together, why he was impacted. Because if, as you turn to John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 15 through 24 excuse me, through, yeah, through 24, you'll find that it's all written in red, which means these are the words of Jesus. Verse 15 says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking to us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells not only with you, but he'll be in you. How many's glad for that experience today? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I want you to underline that. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. 
you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And I want you to underline this too or circle it. And I'll manifest myself to him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it speak to us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've asked, I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me today to deliver this in the way that it impacted me. Today, you can, you can tell just the, the mood of the house is just kind of just held back, just that quietness. And maybe that's the right tone to make this thing personal. Today, I stand before you as a product of Christian parents that raised their children in a church. I've had the privilege of all that. Here I am today now in my older years. And I stand before you and I, I come, and so I got years of experience to tell you that just going to church is not enough. Just being churched is not enough. There has to be a loving relationship between God and yourself. It has to become personal. If it doesn't become personal, it just kind of spatters, it just sputters, it just struggles to survive. Just like a bad relationship of, I want that person to love me, but they never express themselves to me. I want that person to spend time with me, but they're always so busy. Here we find at the very core of this why John changed because he heard these immortal words from the master himself written in red for us. If you love me, you'll keep me at my word. It'll be central to your life. It'll be important to you. I got to tell you as a pastor, all these many years of watching people, studying people, is watching individuals grow and others just diminish. And you say, you, you, why? Why is this happening? Life happens to all of us. Struggles come. Challenges come. What keeps some and others fall away? And we keep coming back to the core of this thing. Today, if this, if this beginning to speak to you and you say, I, I still don't know much of the Bible. I feel intimidated by it. I get lost in it. Don't quit. Just take that time. God, I don't care what we do today. I just, I want to discipline myself to your word. Even if it's reading one verse today and just camping out over it. I don't have to read a whole chapter today. I don't have to read a whole book today. I don't have to give a book report today. I've got to fall in love with you because I know your word says you love me. I want a healthy relationship. If you're depending on the church to get you to heaven, you, you might not make it. Wow, pastor, that's pretty tough stuff. Well, I like church when it's exciting and buzzing and the music is rocking and rolling. I like it when we have big programs. I like it when the house is filled. I like it, like it, like it. But the other days, I don't know, and it just I find myself in and out, up and down, back and forth. If that's speaking to you, the, the secret is tapping into that love. 
If you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments. Not just suggestions, commandments. This is my word. Eternal life hinges upon a relationship like this. Coming to a place where, Lord, I want to, I want to grow. The motto of this church is to know, grow, show. It's knowing God, not just about God, knowing him and growing in that relationship. Through the tough times, we, we grow. And what are, what are you teaching me now? You're sheltering me now. You're protecting me now. You're my rock. You're my strong tower. As I get through that and I can see the, the sunshine again, and then I reflect, what did you keep me from? And just learning that relationship, the times where it's just all pleasure. And you're like, wow, you're a God of the good times as well. And I get that loving relationship. Billy Graham was the one that coined the phrase, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He speaks to each and every generation. He's always loving each individual. But it's incumbent upon us to get into that kind of relationship. This whole passage right here, you see this full effect of God. And I'm not trying to get into a doctrinal position here. Even though I'm not afraid of doctrine, the Bible speaks of doctrine in a healthy way. But we see expression of Father and of Son and of Holy Spirit here. He says, you're not going to be orphans. You're not out there on your own. You've got a heavenly Father relationship with me. I am God. We see the words of Jesus. We read the words of Jesus. And what did Jesus promise us? I'm going to send a helper. Going to be with you. How many can give witness to that? Going through life and feeling and sensing and knowing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, whether it's driving the car, sitting at home in front of the television, in front of the computer monitor, out at a ball game with the grandchildren, feeling and knowing there's a living God relationship in my life, and not only being with me, but being in me. Those moments where I need that something inside that says, I'm going to make it. Not just my self-worth, not just, well, I've always made it in the past, I've depended upon myself, but knowing there's one watching over me. Just that thing inside that just gets a hold of my spirit, that gets a hold of my soul, that just says, I don't care what happens the rest of the day, it's already bad enough. I know at the end of the day, my God won't fail me. Why? Because he loves me. Again, that manifested love. As you grow in that, it gives you confidence. It gives you strength. It gives you comfort. I know I'm speaking to some today. I said, Pastor, you're, you're right on where I, I need help with that because I, I don't know that I got a confidence in my relationship with God. I feel like he's tired of me or he's disappointed in me. I, there's time, I should have done better, but I've, 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 I've stumbled along the way. And I haven't got over it myself yet. How could God get over it? Because he loves us. You see, there has to come that place where there is really a surrender of our life to him. Sometimes uh, people pray and we get it from the get-go. Others, I prayed because I knew I needed to, but it just hasn't taken root yet. That's why this is here. 
This is why John would write later on, my dear children. There was a patience in John by that time. He no longer was son of thunder. Reaching out to the next generation. Those of us that have any years on us right now, are we not concerned for the present youth of America and of the globe? The things that they're facing, the things that they're challenged with. But there's a God that kept us and there's a God that will keep them. There's a loving relationship that's being offered. But it comes back to this very core. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, they're just right there. I I, I thought about this expression of the desired effect. For those of you that enjoy cooking and baking, there's a whole process to the desired effect, isn't there? I mean, there's the gathering, there's going to the store, there's the shopping, there's going to the farmer's market, wherever you're going, collecting all the things that's going to make the desired effect. I mean, if you're the cook and you're cooking for your loved ones, what's the payoff for you? Watching them take that first bite and that smile come on their face, right? I mean, the thing that you would hate the most is they take that bite, it's like, So that desired effect takes effort of not only gathering and shopping, but it is preparation, getting all the right ingredients, not missing any of them. Those of you that use the recipes, making sure, yeah, I used half a cup there, I used a pinch there, I used a a pinch there. It's also the temperature. It's also the timing. It's all of these things that comes up to now, boy, it looks great. But does it taste great? We use the expression, the proof is in the pudding. No, the real expression was the proof is in the eating of the pudding. My wife's online right now, with my home with my mother-in-law. When we first got married, she, she knows I like strawberries. She made a strawberry cake. Man, it looked so good. And when she got ready to cut it, it just all oozed together. So she tried to dip it, and it just dripped off the spoon onto the plate. <laughs> she was so disappointed, she'd forgot an ingredient that bonded it. Of course, I was a great husband, and I was hungry. I ate it anyhow. That's, that was the first strawberry cake soup I ever had in my life. There's a desired effect in our relationship with God. There's a lot of factors going into it. It is that time. It is that process. It is that preparation. It's that effort. I want that desired effect. I want to know that he's pleased with me. I want to feel the warmth of his presence. I love the Aaronic blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Woo, how many want some of that? Don't you love that? May the Lord make his face shine upon you. I love that expression. To see the glow of his smile 
upon his servant. I want that desired effect, that he would lift his countenance upon me, that he's pleased in my life. Again, look at the words here I ask you to underscore. Jesus promised those disciples and us, I will be with you. And then it gets better than that. Verse 21, and I will manifest myself unto you. God's going to show up. God's going to be visible. He's going to be there in a way that we understand him. Grace Life, we've put together some words. We E to the fifth power, that we can experience God. Aren't you glad you can experience God? But the second word is that we may encounter God. Those specialized times, that special revelation. Sometimes it's as simple as taking his word in your study. How many gives witness to this? And you're reading it because that's what you do. But all of a sudden, it's not like other days. Oh my goodness, it's speaking to me right now. That encounter of his word, that you find yourself just in awe. How does he do that? Just printed pages, ink and paper put together, but... It is a love letter to me right now. What I'm going through, he's speaking directly to me. Those times that you're in prayer and as you find yourself just giving yourself over to prayer, all of a sudden, words aren't enough. And you start speaking in that heavenly language and just realize that that the spirit of God that's in you is reaching heavenward and touching the God ahead of us and above us and all involved in our life, the fullness of God impacting us in that moment. But sometimes it's just a smile. Have you ever done something? Typically it's in a time of service where you're helping somebody else. And you just kind of get that feeling in the back of your neck like the sun just burst through the clouds and put warmth on your neck. That's God smiling. Because in that moment you realize, you know, I did it because it just needed to be done. But I realize now this is exactly what God would do if he was here in the flesh. The only difference is he's allowed me the privilege of being an extension of him. Come on, somebody. That I took him at his word. And he manifests himself. There are times that he manifests himself in supernatural ways. That you realize truly that he's put angels about us. Who have been given watch over us, protecting us. How many of you have had a close call in a vehicle in the last year? I mean, so close it took your breath. And when you finally get time to think about it, it's almost like i got to take a pulse to see if I'm still alive because that could have been totally different. Was it coincidence? Or was God manifesting himself again? All these promises that he gives us Again, experiencing him, encountering him. 
It changes us. It changes us. It's like we see John changing. So here's where I want to finish. There has to be a result. Can I just get right out here frank and plain with us today? Somebody say yes. Okay, now it's your fault. I know I've changed in, in ministry over the years. And I do, I've, I've, I know I carry that responsibility as a watchman. But also, again, I identify with John. There has to be marks in our life that define us if we've been serving the Lord for a long time. There has to be change. The gospel is all about change. Those who were once bound in prison are now set free because the Son of God sets them free. There's a change. The one who was bound in their vices have been delivered by the power of God. There's a change. We don't go to the places we used to go because we don't want to go there anymore. Can I hear an amen? There's a change in our patience with others. There was a time we just found ourselves angry and just wanting to lash out at somebody, just mad over everything. There's got to be a change somewhere where it'll be all right. I don't have to get angry over a little thing. There has to be result. I got three H's I'll give you. I don't do this a lot of times, but I'm going to give you three words. Humility. There has to be a humility in the life of a believer. When humility is genuine and there, others will follow you. When it's not there, they won't. It's just that simple. Because somewhere along the way, when you share with others that you're born again, that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, that you're a Christ follower, whatever title you like, and when you've witnessed that long enough with your lips, but there's not a change in your walk. They just sit back and watch you, but they're not interested in following. There's a genuine humility that comes along in the life of a believer. We find in the Word of God, Psalms 138 and 6, it simply puts it this way, God looks upon the lowly, but he only sees the evil from afar. In other words, God gets real close. When we draw closer to him, he draws closer to us. It doesn't say that God takes his eye off the evil completely, but look at the distance. He only sees them from afar. The humility that has to be in the life of a believer. That changing of our will. How many knows our will is strong? Let me try it another way. How many of you are just stubborn? I won't ask for a raise of hands on this. How many are selfish? And you get so disappointed in yourself along the way. When am I going to grow up in him? When is it going to be changed? It comes from this manifested love relationship. Jesus, I don't want to disappoint you. Show up in me today. Let my mind be stayed upon you. Give me 
give me words of wisdom like pictures of silver. Let me, let me be that person you can use to comfort somebody else, to give the right word at the right time, to be silent when I need to be silent. Give me the wisdom to know the difference. Let me walk in humility in front of others to where they actually notice me because they realize there's a strength in humility. There has to be a change in our life. The longer we serve him, well, we got all the songs, don't we? But it's got to show up in our life. You see, today, what I'm sharing with you, I don't know if I'm teaching or preaching or exhorting or preaching or what I'm doing, but whatever it is, it's got to get real for us. There's a world outside this church that needs to be loved on. They need to know the love of God. The love of God that's never changed for God so loves the world. He's already given us the price. We can get so caught up in our own living, in our own life, that we don't even see them. Somewhere along the way, we have to say, wait a minute, I need to make a difference while I'm passing through. Humility is the very fabric. It's the very thing that stands out in a crowd. It's that thing, it may not be noticed on day one, but I promise you it's going to be noticed along the way because there's a strength to it. There's a wisdom to it. There's a warmth to it. There's a glow to it. There's a magnetic pull to it. You see, humility is not something that we just find in a dictionary and put it in our vocabulary and we're good. It's something that we have to grow into. It's not only that, but it's happiness that has to show up in the life of a believer. Psalms 16 says, in the presence of the Lord, there's what? There's a fullness of joy. And at his right hand is what? Pleasures forevermore. You see, somewhere there, that joy brings the happiness. So we've, we've, we've debated about the difference of happiness and joy, but just for the moment, yeah, what are others watching you going to witness? They won't use the word joy, but they will use the word happiness. If we walk around and with doom and gloom every day in our life, do you think anybody wants to follow you? Do you think anybody's saying, hey, I want what you've got? Do you think anybody's going to come up to you and say, man, you must be serving an awesome God? But when there's a genuine level happiness that's there and happy when it's sunny and it's still there when it's raining. Oh, I'm talking straight to us today. We're only here for a short period of time, folks. We've got to make a difference as we pass through. That happiness, that just, wow, you've actually got humor. I like humor. I want to know more about you. You know how to make fun of yourself in the proper way. You know how to laugh at somebody else's joke. You don't have to be first in line. If someone jumps in front of you, you can take it. You know my style, folks. I'm going to keep it right there. Everyday practical living. And yet, we boast that God is not only with us, but he's in us. There's got to be a difference. There's got to be a difference. 
This world is desperate for us to know who we are. Matter of fact, the Word of God identifies all of nature is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. This world is groaning, it's rocking, and it's reeling. It's just waiting for somebody to realize who they are in God and allow God to manifest his love in them. When you have experienced God's love, it changes you. Many years ago, my father-in-law, he, he didn't mean evil by this at all. I knew the context of the moment. But I was in my teens, feeling a call in my life to the ministry. And he said, son, you want people to see, know you today and 50 years later look at you and get to say, you're the same person. But you see, over the years, I realized that, yes, the context of that moment, he was just getting a young guy started. But the reality is, I don't want to be who I was back then. I want to be so much more. Because I've had all these years of experience of God's strong arm being there when I needed rescued. And those moments of him being so long-suffering. How many has God been long-suffering with you? Isn't it amazing how he just keeps loving on us? When we just fail time and time again. All right, let's get more honest now. When we've been so stupid. And he loves us anyhow. That unconditional love that just keeps loving, it doesn't condone. It just keeps loving. It just keeps believing. It just keeps encouraging. Come on, Randy, get up one more time, son. Come on. Come on, you can do this. Come on, Randy. Yes, Randy. Go ahead and admit it. You'll feel better. Yes, you're stupid. I know. <laughs> just get over it. Tomorrow, you don't have to be stupid. That happiness, a humility. But there's another word. Oh, we don't use this one very often. And it's the word holiness. Without holiness, the Bible says, no person will see God. There has to be that holy effect. It's a good word, folks. We don't have to be afraid of that word. It's reserved for the best. Woo, come on, somebody. The God we serve is a holy God. His word to us is a holy word. His spirit given to us is a holy spirit. Man, I feel like preaching now. There's a holiness that God offers to his people, and it changes us. It changes our thinking. It changes our heart. It changes our walk. It changes our ways because we find ourselves, and here's the word, in alignment with him. A holiness. Somewhere along the way, when the world calls on you, and it used to be so alluring, somewhere along the way, the holiness of God says, you see, this is really what you've desired. Oh, at one time, this sounded so wonderful and exciting, and everybody else is doing it. And it didn't make sense back then, but now there's a wholesomeness to this. There's a purpose to this. If I ask for a raise of hands, those of you streaming as well, I wonder how many say, there was a time in my life I sowed my wild oats, right? And boy, I partied. I still don't get the expression, I partied like hell. There's no party in hell. And yet that expression is still used today. And oh yeah, but somewhere along the way, it's like, but that party leaves me with a hangover. That party left me with regret. That party left me empty. 
But what God offers oh, is life, abundance of life, a joy that's genuine and real, that keeps me going. And in that, there's a pleasure that goes along. Oh, I know the world doesn't understand it. The Bible tells me that. They don't understand. But God, I'm yours. I want to understand. A holiness. For many of us raised in Christian homes, especially yesteryear, there was a lot of lists that we had to follow. Come on, somebody. Maybe we didn't understand all the lists, and maybe some of the lists was extreme, but there was this underlying statement to us that God wants us to live for him and wants us to spend eternity with him. Would you stand with me today?